Destination Medicine is a collaborative initiative of regional training hubs. With first-hand lessons learned from those who have gone before, this podcast is designed to assist and inspire anyone interested in pursuing a medical career in rural and regional Australia. Welcome to Destination Medicine. I'm Nicole Goodman. It's quite a challenge for a young intern to be presenting before fellows of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons, and all the more daunting when the topic concerns the contentious issue of barriers to women's participation in surgery. But that's what Sarah McLean did following a research project she'd become involved in. Her research was subsequently picked up by many media outlets, including a front-page article in the Sydney Morning Herald. And before she knew it, Sarah was on centre stage at the College of Surgeons 2018 Annual Congress. Sarah McLean, a former hospital pharmacist, is currently an intern at Orange Health Service in New South Wales, with an interest in becoming a surgeon. And we'll hear more about her research work shortly. First, Heather Dawson asks, why surgery? Which for Sarah, turned from an interest into a passion. I know that I really first started thinking about surgery right from my first year of medical school. I really enjoyed learning anatomy in our labs because it was just so fascinating to learn about the human body in such detail. And then when I started my own surgical rotation in third year of med school, I remember being like pretty nervous before it began because I didn't know what to expect. And if you haven't been in the operating theatres before, it's a different world and it's a bit of an intimidating environment. So I was a little bit hesitant to get involved. I was worried I was going to touch something sterile that you're not meant to touch and get into trouble, you know. But by the end of that eight weeks, I had gone from thinking, oh, you know, maybe I won't, you know, go into the theatres too much. Maybe I'll just spend a lot of time studying. And by the end of that term, I was going in on my days off and I was staying back late into the night in the hospital to scrub in and assist in emergency cases. I was really lucky to have some really great surgeons and surgical registrars or trainees on that term that really encouraged me to get involved once they realised I was keen. They would teach me all about the pathology and the operations while we were doing them. So, yeah, I feel surgery will be a very satisfying and rewarding career. It combines that interest in the anatomy, the pathology of the body, as well as the technical hands-on nature of the job. Right. But now in your final year of studying medicine, you completed a research project on barriers to women pursuing surgical careers. How did you come to be involved in this research, Sarah? And uh, indeed, what did you find out? Yeah, it's a bit of a long story, actually. Um, Certainly one thing just really led to another. And before I knew it, there I was, you know, presenting this talk at the Royal College of Surgeons Annual Congress. And it all began in my first year of medical school. We were just weeks into our course when an Australian female surgeon publicly commented on the sexual harassment that was rife within the profession and being covered up. During the resulting media coverage, many other women were also coming forward saying, yes, this is true. This is exactly what's been happening. It made me quite worried about what I'd gotten myself into. I had just come from uh, working as a pharmacist, in fact. You know, the majority of my colleagues there and all of my bosses were women, and I certainly never felt like gender was an issue in that career path. Medicine suddenly seemed like a really different place. A lot of horrible and unacceptable behaviours were being perpetuated. Some of my fellow medical students at Sydney Uni fortunately felt the same way. And so this organisation, Level Medicine, was founded. I joined Level Medicine because I was similarly passionate about exploring the degree to which gender inequality really still existed in medicine and was sort of uh, holding a lot of talented women back from pursuing certain careers. 
through my involvement with Level Medicine, um, some female surgeons then approached our medical school and said, hey, do you have any students who would like to do some research with us? And so that was how my name got put forward. And soon I was working with those uh, female surgical mentors and I was preparing my submission for the Congress. I was really excited when that was accepted. Um, and then I was giving this talk that covered, it, amongst other things, the current proportion of female surgeons and some of the latest figures on applications for the surgical training program. So in a bit more detail, I guess some of the things that I found in my research of interest was that women make up the majority of graduates coming out of our medical schools, so over 50% since 2001. They currently represent a good 40% of all qualified doctors in Australia, but only 12% of all surgeons in Australia are women. So despite it being a really attractive and rewarding career pathway, it remains that relatively few of these qualified and talented women coming out are choosing surgery. Now, in terms of the surgical trainees, so that's those that are currently on the program in the process of becoming surgeons, it's 29% women. And many people say, oh, well, you know, it's just not traditionally been a career that women have pursued, but, you know, be patient over time, it'll even itself out. But then when I did some further research, I found that there were factors that I think suggest it's not the case. So I found that in the last few years, despite roughly equal proportions of men and women applying to the surgical training program, male applicants were statistically significantly more likely to be successful in getting on the program. So this sort of suggested that female doctors are definitely keen on surgery. They are applying, but they're less likely to be chosen in that process, suggesting there could be some bias in the selection process. So um, not in my own research, but certainly we know from other studies that reference letters and CVs can be very gendered and there's certainly bias in, in their interpretation in the job selection process. Another finding of particular interest was that I was supplied with some data specifically for women in the orthopaedic surgical training program. The proportion of women applying was pretty consistent over several years, but the number that got onto the program fluctuated quite significantly up and down over the years. I then uh, correlated that with the number of women who were sitting on the interview panels. And interestingly, the more women you had sitting on interview panels choosing the trainees, the more women you had uh, successful to get on the training program. So it really suggests that aiming for a more diverse selection panel produces a more diverse workforce. Uh, finally, I found that there's a disparity in the number of women that commence surgical training and that then complete it. So despite going through this whole complicated process and many years of hard work, you know, some of them still drop out along the way. And Dr. Ria Liang has done some uh, research into the factors that cause that to happen. And interestingly, it's sort of just a number of things, you know, uh, just build up over time. The final straw, to, so to say, is often something pretty small and, you know, relatively minor, such as being denied leave application when you really Really needed, but it's the combination of, you know, just year after year, I guess everything sort of adding up that um, uh, was the most significant thing she found with the women that dropped out of surgical training. Well, Sarah, you presented your findings at the College of Surgeons Annual Congress in 2018. What was their reaction? Yeah, I think I got quite a positive reaction from the College of Surgeons, actually. Um, I mean, just being offered the opportunity to talk was a real honour for me. And the fact that they do have a dedicated women in surgery section at each Congress where there will be several invited speakers on the topic may make sure that it remains something that continues to be discussed and advocated for among the profession. In fact, that Congress was recently on again. It happens annually. And my Twitter feed suddenly exploded with notifications because one of this year's invited speakers was making references to my work from last year and other attendees at the conference were letting me know about it and like oh yes I've also you know used Sarah's research in my research so that was pretty exciting. But did the response from the college surprise you in any way? 
Yeah, so um, to get a phone call from the college saying that they wanted to choose my talk specifically as one to promote through the media was quite a surprise to me. I then received a, a nice mention in their own magazine, Surgical News, afterwards. So to me, that really shows that the College of Surgeons is committed to cultural change, their diversity and inclusion plan, and really eradicating the bad behaviours and discrimination that were previously quite common in the profession. When those bullying and harassment revelations really came to light back in 2015, I do believe it was quite a shock to the college, like it had all been sort of happening, you know, behind closed doors and was very much covered up. Since then, they've been really proactive in constantly reinforcing and promoting these positive messages moving forward. So I suppose it shouldn't have been so surprising, but, you know, yeah, I thought like, oh, wow, like they're really on board with this. And they asked me to spread my message via the media. So, you know, that was a little bit of a nerve wracking experience for me, but uh, very rewarding as well. Well, yeah. So what are the um, the ups and downs of the publicity you received, Sarah, about your research findings and the way you've um, spoken about them? Yeah, certainly there's pros and cons. So the pros would be that it was mostly a positive experience. As I say, it was such a validation that the surgical community in the college is responding to the concerns that have been raised and the advocacy that's, you know, been working for many years. It was also a great chance to raise the topic when I talk to people at the conference, because obviously you're there, you're trying to do your best to meet people and network. But certainly having my name and photo all over the Sydney Morning Herald that morning on the day that I given my talk helped start some conversations with people who are real leaders in the surgical community. And so that was really valuable experience. I do suppose one of the cons would be that I, I continue to feel just like a bit nervous about giving these media interviews a bit personally vulnerable, I would say, for being outspoken on this issue, even though it seems most people are on board. You never quite know whether some people will react negatively, certainly being in the media. Like, um, you know, everyone says, don't read the comments under the news articles, but I kind of couldn't help it. I read some pretty negative things people had to say about me. So you've just kind of got to brush that off and remind yourself why you're doing what you're doing. And uh, despite being really passionate on it and more than happy to do the media, I guess I'm still hesitant to just bring it up in conversation with colleagues that I work with just in case someone, you know, takes a real exception to it and it would reflect, you know, badly on me or me being talked about negatively. Yeah, so despite having gone up in the media, it's not something I generally raise on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> well, with the positive response um, from the college about improving opportunities for women going into the surgery training program, do you think that this positive attitude is now reflected in the surgical community? Yeah, absolutely. Overall, I would say the surgical community is really embracing cultural change. As part of the Operating with Respect Action Plan that the college launched, they developed an online course and made it mandatory for everyone, like all surgeons, all trainees in the surgical program to complete. And in the first year it launched, I think maybe like 34% of people had done it. And they were like, oh, you know, that's good, like, but we'll keep aiming higher. And in the most recent report, it was up at 98% of all surgeons have completed that training. So I do think that over the years that um, everyone is really on board with the message and some of the other things that the college identified was that they were really actually setting firm targets on number of women that they wanted to see applying for surgical training and number of women they wanted to see take on leadership roles say for example in college committees and they've already kind of met or are moving very close towards those targets so the target for college committees was to have 20% by 2018 and they got to 27 so that's great and the target for uh, new surgical trainees is to be 40% women by 2021. It's currently at 29%, so a bit of room to improve there in the, over the next few years. So, Sarah, with everything you've learned and experienced about surgery as a profession, you're definitely still interested in pursuing it as a career. Absolutely. Like, it's going to be many years of hard work and training 
But the experience of doing this research really and then going to the Congress has helped solidify it in my mind. It helped me meet a bunch of incredible people, the mentors that I've gained, the surgeons in leadership roles really continue to help inspire me to pursue a career in surgery. And yes, it's hard work, but um, the experiences I've had and the research I've done give me the confidence that I can do it. And and that's where my life is leading towards. Well, final question. Despite your passion for the career, what do you think will be the most challenging aspects of being accepted into the surgery program? Yeah, there's certainly quite a few things you need to do to be eligible for the program, first of all, including passing a sciences examination and then having done a certain number of terms as a junior doctor. And then in order to really be competitive and maximise your chances of being selected for the training program, you really need to be building up your experience in teaching, doing research, as well as improving your technical skills. So my biggest challenge over the coming years will be trying to make time for all those things, as well as in myself really starting to see myself as a surgeon, take that next step forward into what I hope will be a fantastic career. Sarah McLean, Orange Health Service, New South Wales. This is Destination Medicine. Thanks for listening. Regional training hubs are supported by funding from the Australian Government under the Rural Health Multidisciplinary Training Programme.